Welcome to episode 15 of the Avatar Hour podcast, the show where we discuss all things Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And this week we're recapping and discussing episodes 117, Northern Air Temple, and 118, The Waterbending Master of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Now, before we get into all of this, we want to make sure you know that we'll be discussing full spoilers for Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra. But you are free from spoilers regarding any Avatar Universe comic books, also the Rise of Kyoshi and the Shadow of Kyoshi prequel novels. We will get to them eventually, but not yet. <laughs> so, quick check-in. How are we doing today, Andre? You know, I've just been having a terrible day. Oh my goodness. It has just, just been dreadful. Oh my just goodness. Just the worst day of the year, worst Seriously. day of my life. Well, I mean, this might cheer you up. I mean, the day we're recording this is November seventh, mm-hmm. um, very important day in today in you know in history. It is National Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day, so you know, go get some of that bittersweet chocolate with almonds, and you can use that to celebrate the fact that Trump will not be president after January. Fuck <laughs> yes, bitch. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I'm so glad it was decided so we could talk about it. Like, really quickly at the beginning. And Fuck was, yeah. Where were where were you when, when you found out, Kayla? Where were I you? I was at a swim meet this weekend. Um, I just finished swimming and my sister texted me that uh he won. And I'm like, Kayla, uh, you know, Kat, there's 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 two. There's two he's in this situation, which he won. I knew which one she was talking about. I just wanted her to say it, you know? Just wanted mm-hmm. her to say it. And she's like, Yeah, Joe Biden won. And I'm like, best day ever. <laughs> How about yep. you? Where were you when you found out? I was doing something really boring and mowing the lawn, and mm. all of a sudden, my um my Apple Watch on my wrist started blowing up. Where I thought someone was calling me, uh, because I just kept getting the the buzzing over and over again. No, it was just people texting me and being like, "Oh my God, have you seen the news? Have you seen the one?" And I like stopped everything. The lawn was like half cut, and I was just like sitting in the grass, like looking, like watching the CNN live stream. Oh it was God. just. It was just so, so, I can't even describe it. I was very emotional. I got to tell you, I was very emotional. Like, mostly because it's it's been a very harrowing last couple of days. It's been yeah. very stressful, emotional roller coaster, to say the least. That's putting it kindly. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, putting it very kindly. But, yeah, man, like, we fucking did it. We yeah. fucking did it. I mean, we're, like, we're kicking that bitch out of the White House. Exactly. And a lot of that work came from, you know, you know, indigenous people in Arizona voting and I believe in Nevada as well. That came from, you know, uh, efforts of people like Stacey Abrams in Georgia who made yes. sure that plenty, you know, that all of those thousands of people were registered to vote and were able to vote on Election Day and mail in and all of that stuff. We owe this to largely to our black indigenous and other people of color who came through and showed up in droves for this. Uh, meanwhile, there's still one in four LGBTQ people, I believe, who voted for Trump. And that needs to be fixed. You know, that, that's, that's some, that does raise some eyebrows. And even more white women voted for Trump this time around. So yeah, we have a lot of work to do. But today, is, yeah. we can celebrate. We can enjoy ourselves. But remember, just because, uh, you know, Biden and Harris won does not mean that the work stops here. You know? Of course. Definitely. 100%. I wanted I wanted to say that like, twi- like Twitter obviously blew up, but I also saw a lot of people like it was not only like there's still a lot of work to be done, but it was just like it was still like 
just swallowing the black pill over and over again and talking about how like this is barely a win and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, guys, I know Biden wasn't like our guy, wasn't our top pick. But this is a step in the right direction. I mean, Kamala Harris is not only she is the first uh, woman vice president. She's also the first woman of color vice president. Like, you know, first biracial vice president. biracial. Like, you know, there's that is a step in the right direction. People, we have and our first openly trans senator in the Senate representing Delaware. Yes. Like non-binary representative in Kansas. Like it was a big election for queer people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. One hundred percent. And yeah, like I, I'm, I'm gonna be the first to say that, you know, Biden and, and Kamala Harris, like I have my problems with 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 stuff they've done. I've also really support a lot of the things that they've done. But what I what I love about the conversation that's happening now is that okay, we got them in. Now we got to put their feet on the fire. Like we're not gonna just sit back and and because you know we're not cult members and we don't idolize our politicians. We are going to hold these people accountable because we have to. But I think at the very least, I am I am happy that finally we can have someone that'll get us out of this pandemic, that'll hopefully get us out of this racial injustice crisis, of this crisis of climate change, not get out, but like starting to make steps towards helping Fixing that and, and preventing it and, and, and just all of the things, all of the things. I was just, it was just, it's just been a very, very good emotional, day. A very emotional day. Absolutely. Very emotional. Seeing people everywhere in the streets and cities just singing and dancing and crying in tears. I don't know if you saw that clip of Van Jones, like breaking down on the yeah, CNN table. Yeah, I shared it table. on Facebook. You know, it was, about, like, oh my God. Just, just watch the clip of Van Jones talking about, uh, you know, how it's like, easy, you know, it's now it's easier to be a parent kind of thing, you know, showing like, you know, it's like he talks all about like respect and how like, you know, families of color you know can feel a little safer things like that um i do it i don't do it justice obviously i am grossly paraphrasing here but please watch the clip it really got me choked up and it really did show exactly how much was at stake in this election for sure yeah and you know trump can flail and scream and and do whatever he wants he is out on january 20th whether he leaves willingly happy late birthday to me i almost I almost want to go to the actual inauguration. Same here. Ugh, I'm thinking about it. I'm genuinely thinking about it. I've never gone to an inauguration before. Me too. I think I want to go to this one. Let's go. Make make a trip out of it. We'll do a podcast from the inauguration. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We'll find a way to make it work with Avatar, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fire Lord's been... I think I said on our Instagram, like, the Orange Lord has been defeated. It's not my my best caption, but... Oh, it works. It works. I mean... (laughs) And here I was thinking, I mean, I knew the election was this week and stuff, but here I was thinking on this podcast, the biggest news we'd be talking about was the fact that I finally watched Nightmare Before Christmas. That has been swept under the rug there. I did finally watch it right before Halloween. I got Thank it God. done. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. I what did you think, it. Kayla? I enjoyed it. Um, I see how you, a lot of people would like it. Um, I liked the music. It was very charming. I liked the, uh, you know, I, I, I still, I find Claymation really cool to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just thinking about, I mean, I remember hearing a lot of the behind the scenes of Nightmare Before Christmas and how like the scene when he's like during, uh, I believe it's like Jack's like lament or something. He's walking on like that spiral tree thing. Yeah. And that was one of the hardest scenes to film in that movie because the Jack figure kept falling off. So that's right. That's right. It's a factoid if you didn't know that. But 
Yeah, I did not expect this many people shaming me in my life for not seeing it yet. My therapist even was saying like... Really? (laughs) Even my therapist got in on the action there. It's like, you know, talking about, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Halloween. And like I mentioned that I hadn't seen Nightmare Before Christmas. She's like, you just said it's your favorite holiday. How have you not seen Nightmare Before Christmas? So even my therapist went in on me. My brother... She's right, and she should say it. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, so button one... I got to see Nightmare Before Christmas. It's just been a hell of a week since the last time we were together. <laughs> totally. And you want to know a fun fact about Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, the voice actor for Jack Skellington is Chris Sarandon, who people might know uh, played Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride and is also a WVU alum. I did not know that. Andre mm-hmm. and I both, well, we were we both went to WVU. I'm still there. You graduated. Yeah, I graduated. I'm still there. Quotes, <gasps> quotes graduated in quotations uh this past may or august or whatever the fuck um (laughs) and you still got what feels like seven more years yeah Um, i don't i have technically another year and a half or so if provided things go well um but yeah i will i'm also watching stranger things and another wvu alumni was on alumnus sorry was on uh stranger things and he worked he built the set he built the uh he was involved with the set work he built the helped build the uh the wall with the letters on it that Joyce makes to communicate with Will. If oh, you've work. seen Stranger Things, he helped make that happen. So That's there you go. Cool. WBU has that. a lot of cool people, including Chris Sarandon, you know? Oh my goodness. I'm very excited you're watching that as well because I, I really do love Stranger Things. I I'm actually, really as soon good. as we're done recording this, Robert and I are going to watch the next episode of season two together. We're on like the third episode, I think. So Controversial opinion. Showing. I think season three is the best season so far. Ooh, Ooh I'm excited. Controversial I'm opinion. Excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I'll let cool. you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, last bit of news item. This is your weekly reminder about our live stream, The Last Airbender 2010 live action reaction. We will be watching The Last Airbender live action film and uh, we will be live streaming it on YouTube. Live um, We'll start promoing it this coming week or so. It's going to be on November 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, we'll probably start the movie around 7.30 ish. Me and Kayla will be watching it on Netflix together. Um, uh, you can watch it on Netflix. Uh, you can also watch it on Amazon Prime. I believe it's included in the Prime subscription or you can rent it for a couple dollars there. I know it's, it's hard to even spend $3 on it, but you know. Also, if you just don't want to watch the movie and you just want to hear us watch it, sounds weird, but eh, go for that too. It's entertaining, I good. promise. Yeah, live stream will be up even after, um, mm-hmm. so it won't go away as soon as we're done, and it will also be released as a podcast episode. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about after the ep- yes. after the movie's over because we're going to be doing it without pauses. By the way, like we're not pausing, so that way everyone who's watching along with us can be able to yeah. stay on track with us. It'll yeah. be very very hard to not press the pause button, but it'll be very hard. We're going to yeah. restrain ourselves. <laughs> yeah, there will be a little alcohol. Um we're going to be yes. watching the film and then after we finish the film, we'll have probably like I want to say 30 minute discussion, but I feel like it's going to be longer oh, than that we are about the what we hour. thought. It might be I'm, the avatar several hours. <laughs> I'm excited because I have I haven't watched this in quite a while, so I've I've forgotten most of it. And Kayla hasn't watched it at all. I've never watched this. I did have a Zuko Happy Meal toy, if y'all remember me talking about that That's last right. Time. That's right. The Dev Patel <laughs> Happy Meal toy. The scar was pink. It was a pink little like, splotch. Anyway, we'll talk. I'm sure I'll talk more about the stupid action figure when we get to that point. Yeah. 
You oh should find God. it and just like perch him on your shoulder the whole time. Well, actually, I will be at home when we are. Uh, I'll be at my childhood home when we are recording this. So there you I'm go. sure I, just I'll just go. The or I'll check through the basement, see if I can find my Shark Boy action figure while I'm at it. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, November 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Do the math if you aren't on the East Coast. And we really hope we get a a, a good number of people there because we'll. You guys will also be able to talk to us. As we are watching it. So I'm yeah, very please, much looking forward to comment, that. Please comment. Comment in the live stream. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Share with your friends. It's going to be really fun. I promise. Yay. So. All right. Starting our episode recap. We're going to start with 117, the Northern Air Temple. So we find the gang attending a gathering where they listen to a storyteller tell a story. Uh, yeah. Storyteller telling a story <laughs> about the air walkers. This piques the gang's interest and they find out from the storyteller that he's apparently saw these air walkers just last week. Excited, they leave to go visit the Northern Air Temple. It's like, it's like uh, they're talking of like they're on Appa and like one of my, it's one of my favorite lines from the episode is like Katara's like saying like, yeah, I'm sure we'll find something interesting there. And then, uh, you know, it's like, you know, Sokka's just basically like, she's like, are you, Sokka, are you saying I'm a liar? And he's like, I'm calling you. I'm saying you an optimist. You know, you're it's basically the same thing. And not gonna lie, I was half expecting like I ain't calling you a truther because as soon as someone says, are you calling me a liar? Then I immediately think of that. Drake and Josh, stay, stay tuned for a Drake and Josh recap podcast. Join our Patreon eventually if we end up doing that. <laughs> I can <laughs> almost guarantee benefits. you there is no Drake and Josh podcast. There is no market for that. You never know. Until, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they arrive at the temple, the gang sees people flying around the spires and towers, but Aang quickly dismisses them and clocks them right off the bat as not real airbend- airbenders, saying that they don't have any spirit in the way that they fly. As they get closer, someone flies by them in a wheelchair glider, and Aang takes off after him to show off a little bit. Um, the two of them ta- challenge each other, and, you know, um, the guy in the wheelchair glider is having a little more fun than Aang. Um, and he even, even paints a smoky portrait of Aang's face in the sky, which is very funny because after we see the painting of the sky, we cut to Aang's face and it's Doing exactly the exact as the painting. <laughs> yes. Um, but they land and Sokka takes interest in the wheelchair glider. And we learn that um, this person's name is Teo. And he mentions that his dad was the one that invented the glider, along with a lot of the other things that are in the temple. Um, Tail leads them into a courtyard of of some kind where there are a lot of pipes and machinery that have essentially desecrated the walls and shrines of this temple. Sokka is enamored, but Aang is like completely just crestfallen and devastated. And he, and he says that, you know, there's a, a shot of, of, of some monks that are painted onto the wall and there's just like pipes, just cracks going through it and everything like it's it's really like yikes like he says it's supposed to be the history of his people uh they visit another another courtyard where some airbender statues still remain until a large wrecking ball comes through the wall destroying them and we meet teo's father who we just know is the mechanist there is apparently no canon name for this guy it just says the mechanist huh yeah um, Aang is obviously furious about this and he airbends the wrecking ball off the cliff and he asks who this person is and why they came to the temple and we learn that the occupants of the temple were refugees after a flood that destroyed their village and Teo, the mechanist's son, was injured and the mechanist also lost his wife. Um, but they escaped and they found the temple and that's where he found the gliders and he took the gliders, gave it to his son and his new people and just to build them a new life to give them an equal playing field. 
And while Aang is like still not like happy about it, he kind of softens at hearing the story, um, which is, you know, Aang is a very emotional kid. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, like, what do you, I mean, like, what do you think about even, even if it was a, you know, the temple became a refuge, like the, the culture of the Airbenders, like it could have possibly like been lost all the way. I mean, I know it's been a hundred years, but I mean, they, they, they were called air walkers at the beginning of the episode. Like have people just like kind of forgotten about them? Like, you know, colonization and stuff, you know how quickly that can change an area and Mm -hmm. change history really and change how people understand it, I should say. So air walkers, you know, that would make sense. I mean, also, like, remember that the storyteller had his, like, great-grandfather with him or something, and I'm not sure how... Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Right in the head he was. Uh, but, I mean, I can see both sides. I can see Aang's anger and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, kind of imagine what it would have been like if Aang wasn't the Avatar and wasn't alive. You know, if all the airbenders really had been wiped out. What do you think would have happened to those temples anyway you that's know? true that's true i don't think as they horrible, were expecting as horrible yeah. as that thought what it is you know think of that there really were no airbenders left um you know imagine what that would have been like you know i guess i was like you're like you're about to say that you know they probably didn't expect to see an airbender come back you know yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense um but there's yeah a good, there's a good like and has a good way to kind of tie up this end at the end of the episode i so. think so too yeah um, Sokka goes with the mechanist to look at some inventions and Teo takes Aang and Katara to a door much like the one in the Southern Air Temple with the three locks that you have to use airbending to unlock um, and Teo shows it to Aang in hopes of cheering him up to show that not everything in the temple has been changed um, Teo also points out that even if the structures are different some of the creatures that still live there including this very cute hermit crab um, are possibly direct descendants of the animals that also used to inhabit that temple back in Aang's day. Um, so, later. like, points to Teo here for, like, really being sensitive about the whole thing. Because I think it would have been, like, uh, easy for him to be defensive of his dad. But I think, like, he's, like, really trying to make Aang feel a little better. And I also get the sense Teo's, like, a little older than Aang. Like, maybe 13, 14? Do you get that sense? Yeah, I got that kind of vibe. They were either, like, the exact same age or he was a little older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but needless to say, yeah, I think he's he's sensitive about Aang's um, reaction. Um, he asks Aang if he wants to open it, but Aang refuses it because he wants to keep uh, the door the same as they found it. Um, Ironic. Yeah. Um, cut to them uh, later on, and Katara is trying out some air gliding for herself. And Teo says this really cool line, the wind will carry you. It supports something inside you, something even lighter than air, and that something takes over when you fly. Um, and I thought I just wanted to write that down because I think it's a small nod to how like non-benders um, in the world, whether you are fighters or not, still kind of take cues from the elements in the universe. Not necessarily the bending part, but just the fact, just the role that the elements play in the universe. And like the philosophy too. I mean, that's a very easy, I mean, you know, you can apply philosophy from any of the elements into you know how you approach your life really i mean we Mm -hmm. obviously can't bend fire or air as much as we like to pretend like we like to pretend to in the swimming pool you know like with the the water bending and stuff as much as we like to pretend and wish we were benders we can still apply some of these approaches from each of the elements Mm -hmm. what they teach us from the show of course i agree with you on that yeah 
Um, Aang realizes that even though Teo is not an airbender, he definitely has the spirit of one, and he agrees to open the door. Um, cut to Sokka. He's with the, me- the mechanist, and the mechanist tells him that the entire temple is basically sitting on a bomb as there are gas leaks that are odorless and colorless that could blow in the blow the temple up sky high at any moment. And he needs to find a way to plug the leaks, but he can't, he doesn't know where the gas is coming from because again, you can't smell it, can't see it. Um, so it's, it's a real problem. Um, this is also apparently how the mechanist lost his eyebrows because when he found the gas, he came down with the torch. So that's why they use fireflies for the light in that scene. Unfortunate. Yes. Yes. Um, and in the mechanist's office, Sokka stumbles on a like this hot balloon prototype and drops the rotten egg that was used as, I guess, the person in the experiment or whatever. Um, but as they're looking for it, Sokka has this epiphany and he realizes that they can use the smell of these rotten eggs to follow where gas leaks are coming from. It They just fill the room that all the gas is coming from with those rotten eggs. Exactly. Well, it's actually like with this whole episode, seeing Sokka kind of like bond over like science and, you know, mechanics and things like that. It's just really cool to see Sokka click with another person who thinks very creative, you know, in this creative way, in this particular way, like he does. Mm -hmm. It was very cool to see that, you know, good for him. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I thought that was really cool, too. Um, Back to uh, what I have eloquently titled as the big door. Aang airbends it open like he did at the Southern Air Temple. And once inside is a little horrifying, we see thousands of gears, experiments, metal, weapons, with a giant Fire Nation insignia looking down at them. Fire and Nation thing was probably the most horrifying to see in the entire room. You know? Yeah, and we find out that the Mechanist is, has been secretly designing weapons of war for the Fire Nation. In his defense, he tells them that he had no choice. The Fire Nation just found them at the temple and they threatened to burn it all down if he didn't provide them with his services. It's kind of like, what did this remind me of? Something in Star Wars. The Empire Strikes Back when Lando has to give away uh, Han and Leia and Chewie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Like, I mean, like it's war. Like, I mean, especially like the refugees. Innocence at risk, you know? Yeah, it, it comes with the price, unfortunately, especially when you have something as dangerous and widespread as the Fire Nation forces. Slash the Empire. <laughs> Slash the Empire. Um, but yeah, so a Fire Nation emissary comes to the temple, demands the me- the mechanist hand over what they're owed, and Aang reveals himself, um, tells him to leave, and the emissary tells him that the, tr- the destruction of the temple will be on his head. And Aang literally bitch slaps him with air, which I was like, I was like, I need to watch this again. <laughs> Let me just yes. watch this again. Literally. Whoosh. Yes. That was amazing. I love it. That I was needed. <laughs> um, as they prepare for the Fire Nation invasion, uh, Sokka and the mechanist rush um, a hot air war balloon into production while everyone else gets together smoke, slime, fire, and stink bombs. That's the new elements, y'all. Slime, smoke, fire, and stink. <laughs> the four genders. Smoke, slime, <laughs> fire, and stink. <laughs> and you know, the mechanist says, don't, un- don't never underestimate the power of stink, which you have, if you've ever been on a chartered bus where people get Arby's fries for lunch and they bring it onto the bus and you're not just for three hours, then you definitely know what he's talking about. Oh, God. Personal Ugh. story. Um, mm. but yeah, the Fire Nation arrives in giant phalanxes and these uh, 3D animated tanks and a battle ensues. I mean, it's really cool to see the Fire Nation use these like tank looking things, mm-hmm. but they still have like, they still use their firebending. They literally have like windows for the firebenders to yeah. out of. 
like it just it's kind of cool seeing that the combination of like the old ways of doing things is just you know fire nation pew pew mm-hmm. fire with Friday like pew pew yeah exactly i'm tired y'all give me a break it's been a day but anyway just like go, you know shooting fire out of this metal tank thing um and you can see something like that something like similar style with uh legend of korra because in season four we see kuvira you know use metal bending to control this giant robot that also has an right. energy beam gun you know right so like it's just interesting to see how this universe implements like the bending in with the technology as it starts to develop. I thought it was very cool to notice that. <laughs> oh, definitely. And you see it later in the day of black sun with the, the submarines and the, the earth kingdom version of tanks. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Um, and it's also like incredibly advanced. Like this is, this is like the first time this season that we really see some, really uh dangerous fire nation machinery um i mean and, the warships but this is like outside of that you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely like yeah i i didn't have a lot to say about it it was a battle it was exciting it was Thank cool you, fire nation <laughs> it was it was the fire nation um yeah and then they win the battle by uh Sokka's quick thinking they uh, uh Sokka and the mechanist come in with the hot air uh balloon and they drop a bunch of slime, but it's still not enough. And Sokka has this bright idea of just pushing their fuel tank into this cavern where they can smell the gas the leaking eggs. from. And they basically blow blow the Fire Nation off the side of the mountain, essentially, is what happens. Pew, um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't have this thought until literally today. Sometimes I, I while I'm watching this, I'm like, how are they going to do this for the live action? And then I realized that... I feel like this episode almost lost a very interesting thing they could have done with Aang. I, it's mostly due to the runtime, but this is based on the assumption that Netflix is going to do, instead of like a 20-episode season, it's going to do 12 episodes, and it's gonna they're all going to be one hour, and they're going to condense some plot lines. I think this would be the best episode to merge with the Storm episode. And here's why. Ooh, okay. I'm the whole thing with the storm episode is that Aang has this immense guilt of not being able to protect his people when they were under attack. And wouldn't it have been great if he had that conflict and then he had the chance at the end of the episode to protect one of the temples? Dude, that's so cool. Oh my God. Which he does in this episode. Netflix, hire him. Hire him as a consultant or something. <laughs> I trust this guy with the live action. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, wouldn't that be fucking cool? Like, he has the, you can still have everything that happens in the storm, but it just takes place in the Northern Air Temple. You know? Boom. I think, oh I God. think that would be really cool. I, that, that's what I was listening because, like, it's, it's like is a not thinking about how like how kind of cool it is that he's actually here now to defend a temple like one of the temples that that used to be the home of his people from the fire nation i this whole thing started because as the fire nation was invading i was like oh my god is this how they did it in the genocide is this how it happened well is they this- probably didn't have the exact technology for it but probably something like that yeah. something like that yeah i mean maybe they came in on dragons i don't know mm. there were apparently dragons back then so yeah, but I don't know. That's that's what I was thinking. I'm like, it would be really cool if that was like the, you know, that was the big character moment for the for the episode. I don't know. I love that. Oh my god. Yeah. But that's that's just one of the ways that you can combine some of these episodes together without without, you know, like getting rid of everything. 
You know, I mean, get rid of the Great Divide, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oof! <laughs> Combine the Great Divide and the Fortune Teller episode somehow. I don't know. You can do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Aang concedes finally and tells Teo and the Mechanist that he's happy that they found the temple. Like the to hermit, a hermit crab. Yeah, like the hermit crabs that have survived for so long. And that's basically the end of that. But there is a tiny stinger at the end where we see a shot of the Fire Nation finding the hot air balloon that Sock and the Mechanist invented. And they're basically filling it up again or something. And yeah. we will definitely see these utilized in future episodes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Also, cool note that we actually have to see the, the Mechanist and Teo come back in the Day of the Black Sun. So we'll see them again. Yeah, I wish we saw other characters from season one come back in the <laughs> Day of the Black Sun, but yeah. that's neither here that there are. And I'm obviously talking about the fishermen from the Storm episode. Of course. Um, <laughs> You'd have a lot to contribute to the scene. To I that think so, scene, too. To the episode. Snarky one-liners, for instance. <laughs> but yeah, that's our episode recap for 117. Uh, we will be right back after this quick ad break. See you then. Okay, and we're back. Did you miss us? I'm sure you did. We finally make it to the Northern Water Tribe on this episode. The moment Fucking we've all finally. been freaking waiting for all season. All the it only detours. took us 18 episodes to get here. All the detours and the side quests and everything. And we're here. But we're, we're still finally not doing the season. main story. We're still not at season on the season finale yet. But this is some very interesting things that get brought up in this episode that will carry into the season finale, which is unbelievable that we're so close. Yes, this is the penultimate recap episode. How oh crazy is that? Oh, my God. Ugh. So, without further ado, let's get started. So, the episode opens up with a very cranky gang because they've been traveling for two days straight, according to Katara. It's like the part of the family road trip where the family all starts want to, they all want to start killing each other, you know. Are we there yet? Are yeah. we there yet? No. I've had several family trips like that. Siblings <laughs> just turn on each other. You know, a few minutes ago, they're singing along to John Denver. Next thing you know, they're at each other's throats. What oh, I've been do? on road trips with just friends where that's happened. <laughs> like on hour seven, you're just like, I fucking hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do more road trips with friends. Most of the road trips I've done with the family. But someone coughs in the backseat and you're like, Are you fucking kidding me? Really? You're gonna start this now? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So literally right as Sokka is expressing doubt that they're there yet, boom, they're there. How do they know? Water tribe people just show up and attack and bring the gang back to Northern Water Tribe because, you know, flying bison. They haven't seen that. Uh, so anyway, cut to the Fire Nation. Cut, keeping up the Fire Nation here. Grand Admiral Douchebag has finally figured out they're at the Northern Water Tribe and that, and that Aang is trying to learn waterbending. Zhao then points out the dangers of a rash invasion of the Water Tribe because they're surrounded by ice and water and filled to the brim with super powerful benders, which makes it very hard for a fire army to come through when there's a lot of water. <laughs> you know? It's just thoughts. So it's very interesting to see how that invasion eventually does play out in the next two episodes with, you know, that kind of strategy in mind. Very yeah. interesting. Definitely. Anyway, super cut. Back to the Northern Water Tribe. The tribesmen realize at some point in between the cut that Aang is the Avatar and they let them into the city. And we get to see a waterbending city, which is so cool. The mechanisms for opening the gate and the canals connecting everything like, a, you know, a frostier version of Venice in Italy. Oh, love uh, that. You know, like, it's just really cool to see a waterbend, a city made of ice and snow and shit. That's so cool. Yeah, I think this is, this is like the first time we're seeing like a major city in 
in the show. I mean, we've seen the Southern Water Tribe, and we've seen little villages and towns here and there. We saw but... Omashu. Oh, that was a yeah, true. Major city. Yeah. But, I mean, we never get to see, like, kind of like Katara says in the episode, we've never seen this many waterbenders in one place before. And it's its own seeing, civilization. That's yeah, a better for exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. That's probably a better yeah. way to say it. Like, you know, just seeing how they use the area around them with their elements and, you know, they make cool shit out of it. Of course. So then we get to see while they're being escorted into the Northern Water Tribe city, we get a glimpse of the one and only Princess Yue and Sokka is instantly smitten with her. Cute. Then we cut back to Zuko's ship during music night as Iroh sings about the seasons and love. And no, it is not seasons of love. It's just seasons and love. I had to make a Broadway Winter, reference. It was important. spring, summer, and fall. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's cute. We had to see two crew members dancing together. We finally like, see music night. Yeah. It's music night. You know, it's been alluded to several times. And now we get to see it. We get to see crew members dancing together. You know, they're probably gay. They're gay, right? Oh, of course, of course, of course. Uh, I do want to point out that, that the song Iroh is singing is um, later going to be Yue and Sokka's love theme. What? That you can he- yeah, you can hear it played in this in this episode. Very oh, subtly, it. but it's there. Wow, I did not know that. That just makes it out. I didn't know either until I saw this episode and I was like, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which is interesting, considered what Iroh does at the the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And then Grand Admiral Douchebag himself comes in and ruins the moment. Uh, insert joke about the Avengers Initiative. Uh, <laughs> that's literally what he's doing. He's recruiting yeah. the crew and Iroh to go help with the invasion of the Northern Water Tribe. Uh, but it's the douchey Avengers. The douchey Avengers. Yeah. The douchebag exactly. Avengers. Yeah. Exactly. The gang are then welcomed to the huge feast and celebration, and apparently Yue is celebrating her 16th birthday, too. Happy Sweet 16, you're getting married. <laughs> yeah, yay. <laughs> yay. Fun fact, Yue in the live-action Avatar movie is played by Seishal Gabriel, who voices Asami on The Legend of Korra. Yeah, so, I was wondering if you knew this. I, I, I almost wish this. you didn't so I could point it out while we were watching the movie no, and see your I reaction. No, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but I'll say it again when we watch it. You know how weird it's it's very weird, but I'm very happy that she gets to be a part of it, of Avatar canon. That's not embarrassing. Yeah, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna be very distracted when we when we see the movie now because I'm I'm just gonna be hearing Asami. And it's gonna be interesting. So I just want to make a note about the Northern Water Tribe. Though we're seeing all of this like you know cool shit happening. We get to see like this fancy city, and they have freaking royalty there. It kind of just makes me even more mad about how barren the Southern Water Tribe is because they're just a couple of like igloos and, you know, it was probably already small before all the men went to go fight the Fire Nation. Like that just makes me angry. You know, yeah. my question is what gives like, I mean, what we find out in Korra that isn't the reason that they're they're separated or they're not in communication just because of like the just cultural differences like. I'm gonna say like cultural the, the differences, also less... physical differences. It's a quite a journey to get out to the Northern Water Tribe, uh, you know. But well, like, I mean, if it's a globe, yeah, they're pretty close. <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired. I'm trying to think of like reasons why, because that, that just makes me more mad. Because I'm like, what were the other reasons? Like, you know, cultural differences. My ass. Like, you guys are all waterbenders. You know, 
Yeah, all that. In, most of waterbenders. And Cora, know. if I'm remembering this correctly, the North doesn't like how the South has broken away from like the religion of the spirits. And that's why they're they're separated and basically not talking to each other. But well, like as soon as like but like why are all of the men in the Northern Water Tribe? Like, did they just decide it would be best to keep everyone there? Do they just pull like uh, you know, what's the I'm trying to make a I was trying to make a joke about like I'm not saying that there's like I'm not saying that exactly like boss things there, there is no war, but like isolationist shit, like America in the World War One. Isolation yeah. Yeah, I well, I think that's like exactly literally what like it America is. in World War One. They're, they're just you know not doing shit. It seems like. But if they were, if the North and South were communicating, I don't think I think whoever was left in the South should have been moved to the North for the yeah. time being. I mean, like they're not protected at all in the South. Clearly, I mean, one ship was not a one Fire Nation ship led by an angry teenager and a couple of soldiers was enough to basically take them over. Yeah, you know, like that just makes me mad because, like, don't people have basic humanity to go freaking help the Southern Water Tribe? God, girl, we're living in the U.S. I know. We can't even help our own states. Yeah, exactly. It's but not I'm that far angry. off, honestly. Like, it's just not. Yeah, I mean, like, these people are so much better off, and they can't help other people. It just that just makes me angry. I yeah, yeah I think it's it's they never really touch upon it on uh, at least in Avatar, but I think it's. It's kind of like how in Korra, where like the the middle, the lower, and the upper ring became a much bigger issue, divide, yeah, and much bigger divide as well. Like I think the same thing is happening here. I mean, these are like the north is the northern water tribe is basically just elite rich people living in this fortress, mm. and you have people struggling to just to survive in the southern water tribe. I don't know. Yeah, pisses us off. Don't like that. Anyway, we got to get cut to the teenage romance. So Sokka and Yue finally meet and are super awkward. And he stumbles through asking her out. And honestly, I'd be the same. I am not great with people, with girls. Same. You know, I have never been, I've never asked someone out in my life. So I honestly will probably be like that one that occasionally and eventually comes. <laughs> so relatable, relatable. Anyway, then Aang and the audience meet Paku. And look at that. I still don't like him after rewatching it. Like my brain read that as Pabu. That's only because we put that that master post of Pabu on our Instagram. We do love Pabu. Pabu's great. Paku can eat a dick. I hate him. Paku's gonna be yeah, we're gonna be uh, having a lot of thoughts about him later I on. I know. I know I know exactly I know what you know, I know all the stuff about him and I, right now I'm angry at him still. Just sorry, sexism isn't a good look for you, baby. Neither is that ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he says to ang don't expect any special treatment because you're the avatar you know and he says that oh and like ang's like great i'm happy to start when i can you know my friends and i can get some rest and he's like yeah well you know if you want some rest go to a tropical island and i'm like you know i'm with paku here because I, I mean like a couple of days ang are you kidding yeah. me where is the urgency at least what happened to the urgency you had a couple episodes ago episodes ago give him like at least a day or something you a know? day not a couple of days yeah, i would have bitch slapped point, him i'm like no no you came yeah, here to train get it. but i'm like also like you know you can't exactly learn i mean like no break at all like it's kind of hard to learn when you're freaking exhausted i should know i've had to write two different papers in the last week it's very hard to do shit like that <laughs> you know yeah but you yeah. don't have a, a comment coming in three months that'll end the world so um well, I have a, fi- a finals in a couple of weeks that could potentially end my grade. So <laughs> there's that. It's comparable. 
<laughs> I think a day would have been reasonable. A couple yeah. of days is pushing it. Sorry, yeah, Aang. I know. I get it. I get it. And they t- then Paku tells him that uh, his first lesson will be at sunrise. And that's me getting up at ungodly hours to go swim. So, well, actually, you know what? I'm getting out when the sun's coming up. I'm awake before the sun comes up. So <laughs> here's my question. Wouldn't it make more sense for them to practice at night with the moon? They rise with the moon. That would make things too easy, I guess, wouldn't it? Like, I think they wanted to learn without the moon, like, without that I crutch. guess. They wouldn't have that. Yeah, yeah. I see that. Anyway, speaking of, you know, mentioning Zuko earlier, back to Zuko and Iroh and Zhao. Zhao tells Zuko that he's taking the crew for the invasion of the Northern Water Tribe. He's even taking the cook. No. Not the cook. I know. And, that, and then Zhao sees Zuko's broadswords puts two and two together and he figures out that Zuko was the blue spirit and kind of casually interrogates him and Iroh about that. And Iroh doesn't think the blue spirit exists. Is it, is the blue spirit like Mothman except more tangible, I guess. (laughs) Apparently, I guess. I don't don't know. I mean, like there have been wanted posters. I don't know. Uh, Here's the thing. Do you think, so did, did Zhao do what he's about to do to Zuko because he's the blue spirit or because he didn't want Zuko to catch the avatar? I want to say both on that one. I was going to say he didn't watch Cat's Avatar because I don't think Zhao's that smart, honestly. But you, okay, well, you can kind of tell that he figured it out because he sees the broadswords. I don't think he, sees... I don't think he figured it out. I think but he, then he, he, but then, like, you see flashbacks to the blue spirit, so. No, oh, I think he was suspicious. Is that supposed to represent Zhao's thought process or is that the writer's not so subtle way of saying, hey, Zuko, by the way, is the blue spirit. No, 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 I agree with you. I, I, I don't know if, yeah, maybe he had to figure it out. I was just, it came off to me, it was just, he was like, he thought about it, like, it, it was suspicious to but I him. I think definitely Zuko's motivations with trying to catch the Avatar, I think that's definitely going to be the bigger of the two. Yeah, I didn't, reasons. I didn't put those two things together, like, the reason he does what he does to Zuko is, is because he's the Blue Spirit, and not because he doesn't want to catch the Avatar, but it could be possibly both, honestly. Yeah, I'm just saying, we'll like, would he have done all of that if he didn't find the broadswords in Zuko's room? You know what I mean? I have my doubts about that, though. I think, honestly, it was more so. If we're going to p- have to pick between two reasons why he did what he did does later, I think it's because he wants to get Zuko out of the way. So yeah, because it would have been himself. it would have been weird for that not to happen, and then suddenly we have a scene of, of Zhao, like, enlisting assassins. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Straight up trying to murder him. Like, straight up, like, out of nowhere. I, yeah, I guess they needed they needed to give him, like, some reason other than... You know, he's he wants to capture the Avatar first. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, like, would Zhao be able to trust Zuko? I mean, what, what would he have done with him? He can't really take Zuko with him because, again, they are kind he of... in exile. It is a competition at, at, in some sense. And you Zuko know? is in exile, so... Well, I mean, I'm so, sure is, so the... is the crew, technically. So is good Iroh. Point. Good point, good point. Yeah. yeah. Zhao, just remember, we call him the Grand Douchebag for a reason. And this is one of yeah. them. <laughs> okay, back to the Northern Water Tribe. Aang and Katara show up for their first lesson with Paku. Katara is super excited about this lesson, uh, but then Paku just ruins it and says, nope, you can't learn com- you know, combat water bending because you're a girl. And good God, that made my fucking blood boil, just like Katara's. Like, I remember, like, you know, this, like Katara's anger just reminds me so much of how I was when I was a kid. Like, you know, just that kind of, you know, spark i guess you could say whenever you saw something wrong you would stand up for it kind of thing like 
I don't know. It just reminds me so much. Like, Katara reminds me so much of a like, younger me. <laughs> I, I just had that, that one TikTok sound where it's like, that's suspicious. That's, that's suspicious. weird. When he said he, we don't, we don't teach women. I mean, like, has that been the thing? Like, how have there been? Has does the South, does the Southern Water Tribe do the same? How did we get Hama? We there was literally an army of women waterbenders. There's a cultural difference, like you said. So the so. South, yeah. So the South did not have that. They were the teaching South, the South their women how to waterbend. Women juice, clearly. <laughs> clearly, I guess I don't know. This that's that that's suspicious. That's, that's suspicious. weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then Aang stands with her. You know, that's how you're an ally, folks. That's how that's how to be an ally right there. He stands with her and says, I won't learn from you if Katara isn't with me. Like in like storms out with her. Like that's like that's how you do it, folks, you know? Yeah. And then Katara realizing what's at stake if Aang doesn't learn waterbending, he tells she tells him to just take the lessons and I'll, you know, she'll go with the other girls and learn healing. Um, yeah, it makes me sad. But it's okay. We get a satisfying ending from this. Uh, Sokka then catches up to Yue as she's sailing on the canal and he, she asks her, uh, sorry, he asks her to meet him on the canal bridge that night. Cute. Under the moon. How romantic. Meanwhile, Zhao recruits the pirates from the waterbending scrolls episode to sabotage Zuko slash, you know, kill him. Then Katara joins Yagoda's healing lessons, and I think it's interesting to see, like, how they have, like, this dummy in the center of the room, like, imitating the flow of chi through the body. I thought that was mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah. Little details, you know? Yeah. If she and wasn't there because of, because of sexism, I would have thought it was cooler, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. Um, and then after the lesson, uh, you go to ask Katara who she's engaged to because she's wearing a Water Tribe betrothal necklace. So it wasn't just her mother's, it was her grandmother's before that and had a different meaning than what we all probably thought. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, you go to recognize the carving because this was the betrothal necklace that belonged to her grand-grand because, plot twist, she grew up in the Northern Water Tribe and then left for the Southern Tribe. So interesting, interesting. All right. Cut back to keeping up with the Fire Nation. Uh, Iroh invites Zuko to go take a walk with him, and Zuko refuses. While the pirates climb on board Zuko's ship to blow it up, and so that way Zuko does not go after the Avatar. So I guess, yeah, there's my there's the number one reason, so that way he doesn't go after the Avatar. Okay. Ship goes boom. Zuko survives. We know that, but Iroh doesn't know that. And honestly, it's like it's a tiny moment, and we know that Zuko's alive, and we know that Iroh eventually does know that Zuko is alive, but a kind of moment, knowing what we know about Iroh, yeah. like, it kind of breaks my heart seeing his, yeah. like, face fall as he watches the ship go up in flames, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, Iroh lost his son in the war, and Zuko has pretty much just become his son in the time that they've spent in exile together, so just knowing what we know, like, just, mm, it's a sting. Yeah. Stings, man. Yep. That's all I gotta say. Sokka meets Yue at the canal bridge where he gives her a gift that he carved himself, which is super sweet. But having, you know, again, that kind of harkens back a little bit to that betrothal necklace because you right, know, the guy yeah. carved it. Uh, he makes a, a fish, a bear fish thing. <laughs> it's a fish, but it looks like a bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Yue gets sad and says like, oh, I'm sorry. I probably should not. I shouldn't have invited you out. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I screwed up. And then she just runs off. And Sokka's just like kind of left behind like, what? Been there. And then he throws the fish, and he throws his carving into the river, which, aw. 
The gang then settle into bed that night, and they all commiserate about the shitty day they've all had. Uh, Sokka then suggests that Aang teach Katara what he learns from Paku, and so then when the kiddos go out and test it out, Paku interrupts them and says that he was disrespecting waterbending culture and rejects Aang as his student. Also, can I just say that <laughs> when he finds them, there's just this amazingly dramatic shot of Paku in the moonlight and his hair is like flowing and it's so it was so funny to me it was just so extra and I loved it that's amazing yeah and then the cuts next to the chief of the northern water tribe says that you know what Paku might take you back as a student um if Katara you swallow your pride that's his words and apologize to Paku and, like, honestly, I think Katara was about to do it. I think she was about to do it. And then Paku, yep. being the smarmy bastard that he is, calls her a little girl, and she goes off. <laughs> like. <laughs> Drag her. Slay yes, her. Do it. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was with her every, you know, every, like, word that came out of her mouth. I was like, she refuses to apologize and straight up challenges a freaking waterbending master to a fight, which is such a ballsy move. And even though she knows she's going to lose, she's like, I don't give a fuck. This man needs to be put in this place. Boom. It's just so cool seeing that kind of fire in her, you know, like seeing this determination. I That's one of the many reasons why I love Katara. Can I, can I just say also, like, the reason this doesn't feel like, um, like, the reason it doesn't feel like this is an after-school lesson of, like, sexism is bad. Like, we fucking know. Like, the reason it exists is because Katara is such a strong character and she refuses to bend to that kind of thing. And it's a it's a cool, like, mirroring to the very first episode where Katara is dealing with that from her own brother. But mm-hmm. th- the reason it doesn't feel after-school especially is... After-school? After-school especially is... Because it's a character device. It's it it feels integral and organic to the plot. So you don't feel like you're being like talked down sexism to. is bad, kids. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also not just a sexism is bad thing. It's like sexism continues to exist if people don't challenge it. That's so really, also true. That is a really great lesson to teach kids. It's not just like, you know, don't be sexist. Yeah. Sexism will continue to exist. Racism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism will continue to exist. If people don't freaking challenge it, you know? Yeah. And don't so, let an old man call you a little girl. Yeah. I love that so much. So, yeah. Great lesson, y'all. So anyway, back to keeping up with the Fire Nation. Yes, I'm going to keep saying that. It's quite annoying, but I love it. I Iroh love this, is, this new TV show, Keeping Up with the Fire Nation. There's enough messy drama over there to fuel an entire reality television show. Could you imagine? Tell Robert I want um episode of the Kardashian, uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but I just want um photoshopped heads of characters from Avatar. <laughs> The Fire um, to the Kardashians. <laughs> Robert's probably gonna li- probably listening to this episode. He'll do. Robert is apparently sitting in a bunker and making really weird election videos. <laughs> <laughs> He's making so many good. Memes. He obviously <laughs> has the time, Robert. If you're listening, <laughs> I know I know what you're about, and I've seen the videos. I've seen the receipts, so I know you can do this. <laughs> yeah, please do it. Please do it, man. Yes. So. Back to keeping up with the Fire Nation, Iroh is meeting with Zhao, and they both think that Zuko is dead, or both say that Zuko is dead. Uh, Zhao is clearly reveling in the shit, and they just want to smack the smirk off his stupid face, but it's okay. He's also so bad at do it hiding for it. Me. He's like, oh no, I'm so I'm terribly so, sorry to I'm hear. I'm so evil. Yeah. Smiles behind his teacup, like not, not everyone in the room can see that he's smiling to himself. Piece Idiot. of shit. 
Yeah. Anyway, it's okay. He'll get his comeuppance. It's going to be satisfying. It's going to be good. We'll talk about that in two episodes. So Iroh then accepts Zhao's offer to be a general in the invasion. Uh, which, which honestly you know, is is kind of crazy to me that he was offered that position because I mean, after the six hundred day siege of Bossing Se, he was like basically shunned for the Fire Nation from that failure, and it's kind of interesting that they would give him this second chance. I wonder if Zhao cleared it with Ozai first, but I don't feel like Zhao does any of that. No, no. I wonder if this whole invasion had to be cleared by Ozai first, like. What's the chain of command? Like, who gets to decide? Isn't he a Grand Admiral Zhao? That gives him quite a bit of power if he's an Admiral. Yeah, but even then, like, there is a war. We know there is a Fire Nation war room. There have to be meetings about this kind of stuff. I mean, we see it in the live action film, but we're not taking that as canon, obviously. Oof, oof, God, this is going to be painful to watch. (laughs) I'm just interested, like, I, it doesn't feel like Ozai would be like, yeah, that's fine. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just interested yeah. in thinking about that. Back to Katara. She's gearing up to fight Paku. She's taking off the jacket. She is ready to go. Aang says, like, hey, you don't have to do this for me. And she's like, no, I'm not doing it for you, punk. You know, I'm doing yeah. it for me. I'm ready to bitch slap this guy with, you know, water bending, you know, with my own water bending experience. And, like, Paku then just walks right by her, ignored her call, you know, for her, you know, call for a fight. And basically says the water tribe equivalent of go make me a sandwich, and uh, yeah. she fucking water whips his stupid ponytails. And I am living for that, too. <laughs> then that gets into fight. And I'm like, okay, all right, fine, great. But I love watching Katara, like, hold her own against, like, a waterbending master. Like, isn't like she was able, like, she was, I mean, this whole fight is basically like Rocky and Apollo Creed. Like, she knew she was not going to win. But she just kept getting up again and again and again. You know, yeah. and that gets people's attention. You see a crowd start to form, you know, and people are cheering her on. People are into this. People are excited to see her do that. You know, oh, this is the most exciting thing they've seen in years. Yeah, probably. Yeah, until and the I next think they're episode. also kind of feeling they're also kind of feeling invigorated because no one has challenged Paku like this ever. No probably. one's challenged. Probably no one's challenged this kind of culture. Like besides yeah. leaving, I guess in the case of you know Grand Grand, but. Yeah. I mean, does she does she get knocked down a couple of times? Yes, she does. Does she also get a couple of good snack uh, smacks in? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, someone it. made an amazing post about this scene when she's throwing like sharp ass ice discs that could kill anyone else who wasn't a skilled waterbender. Like she was out for blood in this. Someone yeah. says like like if he's like if one person said like uh, on this post like if he's really a master then he'll survive. And Oh, you won't teach me? Guess you'll die. Exactly. <laughs> it was really cool, though, with the ice disc moment. Like, that clearly threw him off guard for a beat. You see his, like, stunned reflection in the ice as it flies by his face, you know? And then during the fight, Paku cuts uh, Katara's necklace off and eventually traps her. But Katara's still, she's like, I'm still trapped in ice, bitch, but I'm going to still fight you. I'm ready to fight. I'm not done with you yet. The fight's over when I say it's over. Yeah. And then Paku finds Katara's necklace in the snow and ends up revealing that he was her grand grand's ex-fiance. Hey, Paku, want to know why she didn't want to marry you? It's because you're a sexist prick. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, like, even this this revelation is, like, supposed to, like, kind of clear Paku in a a way. But even by the end of the episode, I'm like, he's still kind of a prick. Like. I still don't like him. 
I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, we'll see how my feelings about him, if they ever change, when we see him again later in the series. That's what I, that's what I was going to say. Like, I'm going to see how it changes in the next couple of episodes. Like, because I think they get along pretty well later on. But, yeah. But I'm yeah. still, I'm still, I'm still a little mad. But uh, at the mention of an arranged marriage, Yue gets kind of choked up and she just runs off and Sokka goes to run off to co comfort her. He thinks that Yue doesn't want to be with him because, you know, he's not royalty. And then Yue then kisses him. She says that she likes him a lot. It's just that she's engaged, so they can't be together. Mm. Uh, which, you know, oh, Oh, she died? Aw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bring that back again with the, the last notes. With Jack. Oh my god. Yes, please do. Please do. The fun thing I wanted to notice is a lot of the key UA Sokka moments happen under the moon slash at nighttime. It uh, sure does. Clearly foreshadowing things to come. And honestly, like from what little we see of their time together, it's actually kind of a sweet relationship. You know? You can't help but root for them. You know? Like, why foils. do I like this they're so foils. much? They're foils! No, they're not. <laughs> like, I don't know why. What makes me root for this so much, though? I guess like the the tra the tragedy of it, the forbidden love aspect. Oh no! Yes, yeah, it? it's, the, it's the age old not being able to be together because you know? she's the moon. Yeah, <laughs> and we want to see a win for Sokka too. You know, yeah, because yeah. You know, well, I mean, we do get to see him get with Suki later, which is super sweet. But you yeah, know, first we gotta have Yue, and I like Yue. She, she, I, I, I have a lot of feelings about Yue. Okay, next day, Paku's teaching Aang and kind of belittling him, but it's fine, I guess. Katara runs up to join the class and he admonishes her for being late instead of, you know, her being a girl. So, yay, progress, yeah. I guess. Sometimes progress just <laughs> needs to get, you know, progress sometimes comes with a fist, you know? Yeah, just... progress comes by uh, insulting someone for something else other than the fact that, <laughs> that they're a girl. I guess, but, you know, I guess sometimes you just gotta be, a, you know, you know, with a want to make progress happen. Sometimes you got to be a little bullheaded about certain things. You know, referring to yeah. Katara but again, the thing, the thing, like it's it's weird because the only reason is not because she. This is the only thing I have about worth. this episode is that the only reason that Parker decides to teach Katara is not because he's seen the error of his ways of not teaching women. It's because she's she knows Grand Grand. Which yeah, is the only reason. So that is the also, only thing uh, about this episode where I'm kind of like to the eh. list of things that I don't like about that guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Quick jump back to the Fire Nation. Turns out, yay, Zuko is alive and it is disguised as a Fire Nation soldier on Zhao's ship, and he's sent. And Iroh is essentially helping Zuko get to the Northern Water Tribe. That's the reason why he accepted the general position, so that way they can go. He can go, you know, capture the Avatar and restore his honor. So you know, I'd say, aw, you know, it's kind of cool. He's helping him out, but also I'm like, oh right, this is our heroes that we're talking about here. They're about exactly. to get screwed over for the next two episodes. Like we are once again in a position where we are rooting for and sympathizing with the villain that -hmm. is supposed to be catching the the good guys. It's it's very interesting. I'd say, yeah, exactly. But you know, it, we can be like, oh, <laughs> that's the noise you make with this kind of situation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And now, Zhao, and now Zhao is all primed and ready to attack the Northern Water Tribe with a shit ton of Fire Nation ships. And with that, 
We are ready for the season finale. And next week, we made it. We are in the Northern Holy Water shit, Tribe. Y'all. We're having the freaking showdown of the season. Holy Woo. shit, we finally made it. We have, we still have a little bit left to go this episode, but this, this, a- after this, we only have two episodes left for the first season of Avatar Hour. All right, and that brings us to Fandom Corner. So for this week, I found this theory on a Facebook fan group. Thank you, Facebook. Uh, the what's one of the few times I will ever say that. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is a theory that Zuko is deaf in his left ear. Whenever Zuko is shown sleeping on his side, it's usually on the side with the scar so that he could still hear. But the last three pictures, it has a picture from season three. Uh, maybe he sleeps on his right side when he feels safe and he's around people he can trust. So and there's a couple pictures of it, which, you know, I don't know if you can see too well on my phone, Andre, because we're on Zoom right now. And I sent yeah. you the picture to you. Yeah, I've got it here. Yeah. Um, Like, I mean, his, his ear does look different. His ear where he's scarred looks a lot different. I mean, obviously, the earlobe was probably burned off. and That definitely wouldn't impact your hearing. Uh, I mean, I am by no means uh, an ear expert audiologist. I don't know what the right word is for it, but I don't know. The way our ears are shaped helps just to hear better. So if part of that's burned off, that's got to have some sort of impact on how we hear. I mean, which one, which of the twins from Harry Potter lost an ear? Is it George? George. I'm sure because he lost an ear, that would definitely impact his hearing. So having a lot of it burned off would definitely impact. Yeah, hearing. I like this theory. It's it's the right amount of like uh, small details that the show is is typically um, exemplary of. So I think it totally works. We can also post this on our social so because so, it's definitely a lot see. more of a visual theory than yeah. uh, some of the other ones that we've discussed. So yeah, yeah just, we'll definitely we'll post, post that on our socials and check that out and you know see for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of our socials. So we want to hear from you. So if you agree with this theory or disagree with it or any of the other theories that we have brought up in the past or you just want to share a theory of your own or a meme, we love memes, uh, feel free to share it with us. Uh, you can send it to you can send it to us directly at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com or you can send it to our social media platforms. So that's Facebook at the Avatar Hour Podcast, at the Avatar Hour Podcast, Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast, Twitter at Avatar Hour. So this is where we have our places for our flyers so you can stay up to date. For instance, the upcoming live stream at the end of the month, you'll see more information there. We'll have fandom polls and keep you updated on when new episodes are dropping. So make sure you follow us on all of those places. And if you'd like to follow us personally, you can find me on Twitter at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. And you can find me on Twitter at hey it's underscore Andre. And, and that's the episode. That's it. That's our show. Two more episodes <laughs> of Avatar Hour. One more episode for season one of Avatar The Last Airbender. Exciting. Very, very, very exciting. We can't wait to wrap this up with you guys. Yay. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye.